Hello, everyone. I'm Brian Carrington, and you're listening to Call Talk for July 13th, 2016. And today's topic is a good one. It's the happy leader. Now, if you're listening live, I'd like to invite you to be a part of the show and ask some questions. And the best way to do it is just to email me directly. You can do that at brian at benchmarkportal.com, and that's spelled out B-R-I-A-N at benchmarkportal.com. Of course, if you don't know already, we have over five seasons of shows archived on our website at benchmarkportal.com, which means you can go there anytime that's convenient for you, download the show, or listen to it live at that time. But that way, you'll be able to access all the different topics that we have anytime that's good for you. So let's go ahead and jump right into the show today. And it's my pleasure to introduce the host of Call Talk, Bruce Belfiore. Well, thank you very much, Brian, and welcome back to Call Talk, everyone. I uh, would like to talk about happiness today. And happiness is what we're supposed to be about, right? Being happy making other people happy, making our pets happy, and just in general, leaving behind <laughs> us a trail of good feelings that make the world a better place. And we spent, you know, when I think about my education, we spent a lot of time in business school talking about leadership. Yet in my business school and law school experiences, I don't recall a single day in which we focused exclusively on what makes for a happy leader. Yet if we want to have a good life, if we want to contribute goodness to other people's lives, we need to focus on what that means and how to attain it. And that's why we've brought in an expert on the topic for you, Charlie Palink. Welcome to the show, Charlie. Thanks, Bruce. Uh, good to be talking to you again after getting together at our, the conference. Yes. Well, uh, just to let everybody know, Charlie has been in senior IT leadership for over 20 years and was most recently the chief product officer for Caesars Entertainment. And I met Charlie at a recent industry conference where he addressed a room full of business leaders and had them all in the palm of his hands talking about these things, which no one else at the conference was talking about, as you can imagine. And uh, he wasn't just sort of uh, selling pixie dust stuff. He talked about HR dilemmas, firing people, turbulence in the workplace, uh, you know, all of the things that are part of the real world. But he gave a context for living in the real world while doing the right thing and, and putting some happiness in your life and, and the life of other people. So it was really uh, very, very uh, mind-opening and inspiring, and so I wanted Charlie to come on and, and talk to our, our audience here, and, and I'm really happy that he's been able to do so. So, Charlie, as I said, we don't hear happiness mentioned in the same sentence as leadership very often. Uh, we hear about great leaders being charismatic or smart or organized, but not happy. You know, you know, it's funny. We actually always hear the opposite. Uh, the movie industry and, and business books almost idealize uh, our great leaders as charismatic madmen who are tortured, right, and, and torture everyone around them, but the brilliance of their vision kind of overcomes everything. Yeah, no, you got that right. Uh, you know, when you think about it, who'd want to enter the heart and the soul of Steve Jobs or Mark Zuckerberg after – seeing their portrayals in the movies, um, you, you might want to be in their houses and their bank accounts. Yeah. <laughs> but, <they're, laughs> uh, you know, their souls as revealed on screen, probably, probably not. Um, well, let's start with how would you define happiness, Charlie? Well, there's a, 
There's a song by Ray Wiley Hubbard that uh, I ran across a while back. And at the end of the song, he talks about his gratitude exceeding his expectations. And and I think that's as good a definition as any. I think a person that uh, looks back at at a period of time, their life, the week, the day, and they're grateful, and that that really exceeds what they expected out of life, I think that's a, a good place to start with, being happy. Mm. Yeah, so that assumes a certain amount of maturity too, right? To be able to understand those things. In other words, what your expectations are and what they should be, because sometimes you have to adjust your expectations, and then to have gratitude for for what you've got. Um, Yeah, yeah, very good. Well, can people learn to be happy, Charlie? I I think they can. Um, You know, I, I use the analogy it's a little bit like people that go to the gym to become stronger. There are uh, people who are naturally very strong, but most of us go to the gym and we can learn to become stronger. I think people can learn to become happy, um, and, and there's, there's a number of things they can do to, to become happier. Mm-hmm. And, and, okay, so maybe we could talk about those. And also, you know, why do happy people make great leaders? Well, a couple things. First of all... Um, you know, we're in an environment today where the game is talent, right? Mm-hmm. Especially in, in high tech, everyone is out to try to keep talent and keep their turnover rate low. And I think one of the greatest ways to attract and keep talent is to have an environment in which people are genuinely happy. And, and one of the ways that happens is if the leader's genuinely happy. So that's that's a big part of it. Happy people are secure. They stay focused on business instead of using uh, business to compensate for something and driving everyone crazy, and, and it makes them a great boss. Mm-hmm. You know, a uh, couple of things that you mentioned. First over, first off, turnover, which is so expensive in our field, uh, the, the, the contact center field, because it tends to be very high and is very, very expensive. And therefore, on a business level, it's something that uh, you know needs focus. And when it is actually uh, conquered, it's not that you go to zero turnover, but you get it down to reasonable levels, then you're actually able to show something to your boss in terms of a return on investment if you uh, have to actually do something in order to, to get that lower uh, turnover. So, and and then the fact that you have lower turnover means less upheaval in the call center. It means uh, more happiness, as you indicated. And um, and there's this waterfall effect. I mean, what you were saying about uh, happy leaders making for happy employees, uh, I think, is mirrors another thing that we oftentimes say in the in the customer contact field, which is happy uh, agents make for happy customers. And there's a waterfall effect. I mean, it makes sense. If you have uh, happy leaders, and the happy leaders are making their supervisors happy, who are making their agents happy, that make their customers happy, then everybody's happy. <laughs> and you actually have a, uh, a virtuous circle that, on the business side, ends up driving some really good results. Well, I, I think that's right. I, when I was at Caesars, Gary Loveman um, always preached – a cycle of 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 customers um, taking care of taking care of our employees who will take care of customers um, 
and I, I really saw that. I think it helped, you know, before the recession hit, it really helped Caesars as a company capture a dramatic amount of, of market share. What a lot of people struggle with, though, is how to make employees happy. Mm-hmm. And, and, and my argument is, you, you know, you can give them free food. You can put a ping pong tables and a lot of other stuff. But having a, a leadership organization, I think that starts from the top, where the leader is fundamentally a happy, secure person, I think goes a very long way in helping the organization be happy and content. Yeah, and the word secure, I think, is very important, too. It's a key word. if Because uh, if you as an individual uh, person in a position of leadership aren't sort of grasping to your life preserver at work, uh, then you have the emotional space, the emotional leisure to kind of look up and around and see others around you, hear what they're saying and feeling, and react appropriately. And to do that, you have to have that security, which is uh, one of the key components of, of happiness. I think that's right. Okay. What are, what are some of the other things that uh, uh, you know, make for great leaders, well, happy people and great leaders? Well, happy people are really good listeners. Because And this really kind of goes – I'll piggyback off the secure comment that you piggybacked off of. Um, you've probably been in meetings with people where someone is speaking and the room almost can't wait to respond, either in criticism or feedback, and they're overlooking things that are said. And, and the atmosphere isn't one of people seeking to understand something. It's one of – people almost uh, at, at, at the ready because it's almost as if they, they listen too closely. They won't be able to respo- respond. They won't be able to think of their response. Hmm. And a really secure person, um, their filters tend to come down. They tend to listen well because they're not listening through fear. And they don't have this great motivation to respond. They have a motivation to learn. Hmm. And, and I well, think that makes a difference. I, it makes a huge difference. And so for the listening audience here, uh, most of whom are call center managers, you know, we might just think about how we do uh, interact with our people. And are we great listeners or are we as great as we should be? Uh, there's some things that uh, we did learn uh, back in business school, like management by walking around, which uh, I remember a case study on that was basically – a manager who spent most of his day going around the operation and just listening to people. And, of course, uh, he made the point that, you know, God gave us two ears, one mouth, and there's a reason for that. (laughs) We should be doing at least twice as much listening as talking. And, and, you know, some other things that we've learned over time. All of us are smarter than one of us, and if the one of us is, is me, then I should you know, stop talking and start listening and and, uh, learning some more. And also, um, I think that all contact center leaders understand that teams are built on trust. Uh, We've seen this actually in uh, studies that we've done, that trust is absolutely key to a satisfied customer contact agent. And uh, and trust is really built on listening, right? Uh, Haven't you seen that as well, Charlie? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I remember there's another thing that you wanted to uh, mention, too, a third element to, uh, you know, how happy people make great leaders. 
Well, you, you know, I think we've all been around leaders that are threatened by life, and they consequently make decisions out of fear. Now, I don't want to confuse that by saying that uh, someone that's a happy leader is not going to be concerned about their competitors or how they're performing, and but that's a choice they make. It's not one that pervades their thoughts. It's it's more of them choosing to find the appropriate time to spend time thinking about their competitors or how they're doing, and so that that lack of cons- of consuming doubt um, and fear uh, helps helps them be successful, helps them be good leaders. Now, I'm not arguing unhappy people can't be great leaders. We've seen that, but why would you choose? Why, if you had a choice, why would you choose to be an unhappy person? And in, especially if you can be happy and also be great in your career. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, really, there are tons of uh, miserable people out in the business world who have had success. And there are, objectively speaking, some people who are probably stuck in situations where it's hard for them to be happy, uh, and they don't have much choice because of the economy, because of responsibilities that they are taking and are to be commended for. I mean, we wouldn't want to tell somebody, uh, okay, get out of a situation uh, where you're going to actually leave your family in, in jeopardy as a result. Uh, so those are difficult situations. Let's be honest. Um, you don't want to, you know, be uh, telling somebody you have to leave your job if you're unhappy. If there's absolutely no other alternatives. On the other hand, oftentimes there are alternatives, and then there's sometimes where you can actually, going back to what we said at the beginning, change your outlook and your approach so that, um, you know. You can, in fact, uh, make yourself happier in a situation that objectively seems unhappy today because I think we've all seen situations where person A and person B are in basically the same situation. Person A seems like a very happy person. Person B seems miserable. Oh, I think think that's absolutely right. I mean, how many times do we change jobs and the person before us they couldn't wait to get out of there, and we walk into exactly the same mess, and we're excited about what we can do with it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's right. So uh, in that case, you kind of have to uh, take a long look inward and uh, maybe find uh, where that happy gym, right, is located that you were talking yeah. about earlier. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because, I mean uh, – uh, Brian, I think you'd agree, too. There's uh, sometimes where you step back and maybe you find in uh, yoga or you find in exercise or you find in, um, you know, talking with other people or reading some books on leadership where you can actually change your approach in a way that actually changes your life as well. Yeah, I I completely agree. And, uh, Everyone's different, of course, but for me, uh, the outlet has always been the outdoors. You know, dirt biking to the top of a mountain or kayaking down a river kind of resets me into a happy, uh, happy place, and then my approach moving forward is a lot clearer and, uh, and usually much happier. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, Charlie, what have you found? What have you seen in the people that you've worked with? Because you've, you've thought about this a lot. Well, I can give you an example that was unrelated to work. My father was in a uh, 
a prison work camp in uh, World War II. He was captured in, I'm, it might have been Poland. Mm-hmm. And and one of the observations he made to me, which maybe had a, a lot of influence on me, was that the soldiers that were happy outside found a way to find happiness and gratefulness inside of a a place where they ultimately had to escape to avoid being killed. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. the ones that were miserable were not any more miserable. They were equally miserable. So it really is a it really is a uh, a practice of every day finding things to be grateful for, um, enjoying the small things. Mm-hmm. Wow! No, it's a it's a big message. It's a message not just for the workplace but for life as well. Um, and we do have some questions here that I'd like to hand things over to Brian uh, for. Uh, Brian. Yeah, perfect. Actually, uh, kind of right in line with what we're talking about uh, and almost doubling back to the beginning and in that where you can learn or become happy, uh, I, I would like to know this too. And Carlos emailed me asking, you know, how do people become happy? Well, I think it starts with really knowing yourself. I mean, for so much of our lives, we are trying to fit in. And it's a, a little bit of a, a learned adaptation where We do things, other people either applaud us for it or accept us for it, and and it almost becomes a learned behavior whether it's something we like to do or not. But I think doing things that aren't part of our real nature causes a certain amount of friction, which leads to unhappiness. So the the starting point for me is really getting to know yourself at at a a very deep level so that you're not – understanding the person other people want you to be but who you truly are and then it's a fairly simple formula and and I do this every year I write down on a yellow notepad what do I like and what do I not like and then I strive to do more of the things I like and less of the things I don't like and I I sort of engineer my life around that yeah Uh, really interesting you know I I was thinking that um, when I go to re- going to reunions over the year, you see a difference, right? As people get older, they tend to get more comfortable with themselves. So the people who are listening to this, who are maybe on the younger end of the uh, spectrum and are still trying to prove themselves and maybe uh, striving, and oh, that's all good. It's good stuff. But think about the fact that all of the older people that you know are less that way. They tend to be more uh, comfortable with themselves, and if you can move to that, on an accelerated basis, if you can compress the time uh, that you can get there, if you're not there now, uh, and therefore be happier with yourself and happier in yourself and in your own skin, then um, you know that's something that that you might seek actively to do. Uh, I, I think about the joke about the uh, person who turned 100 and was asked, you know, what's the uh, biggest advantage of being 100 years old? And uh, the answer was no peer pressure. (laughs) 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 Anyway, back to you guys. Uh, Is there there anything else uh, uh, that that you think about in this context, Charlie? Well, a couple more things. Uh, The second one is, um, and this is the one, if you remember at the conference, uh, 
um, extended the presentation from about 45 minutes to two hours, and that is uh, reconcile your relationship with God. If you're an atheist, be an atheist and, con- and, and don't constantly war with God or, or, or something you don't believe in or people of faith. And if you're a person of faith, follow your doxology. Don't mm-hmm. constantly uh, torture yourself for, uh, for not doing it. Just do it. Stop, stop, mm-hmm. stop being inconsistent with your own beliefs. Right. No, this was uh, really fascinating, uh, Brian, at, at the uh, conference. All of a sudden, uh, everybody had been in the palm of uh, you know Charlie's hands to begin with, but then he starts talking about mm-hmm. the, uh, the God part. And it's like nobody expected this. <laughs> and wow, okay, now we're on to something else. And it uh, really got a lot of people uh, talking and a lot of uh, interest going as well. And um, you know, this is uh, an important thing to to have yourself in a bigger context because if you have yourself in a frame that you're comfortable with and you understand that you're part of a bigger frame, whether it's a religious frame or a non-religious frame, but it is a bigger frame, then uh, inside that frame you can find your place and you can find your happiness. Uh, I think that's what you were trying to say, um, Charlie, and I think it resonated with the people there who were, for the most part, CIOs of Fortune 500 companies, right? Uh, They were. I thought one of the most interesting things was – there was a gentleman who was a chief technology officer for a large high-tech company out of California mm-hmm. who came up to me afterwards and asked me if we could talk because his wife is so unhappy. And he was looking for some ways to help her. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, number one, it was really it was interesting and gratifying to be able to, to talk to someone at that level. And secondly, you, you really don't expect that at a conference on technology, right? Right, exactly. <laughs> got all these tech heads, right? All these tech heads, and all of a sudden they're opening up their hearts and their souls. And, you know, but that's part of being human. That's part of our lives. And if we sort of take that out of our our business life, if we take that out of our work life, then we're, we're missing a piece of ourselves. It's not always easy to integrate. I mean, I think we can all accept that. But uh, it's something that's important to... Uh, from time to time confront. And for those listening, perhaps now is the time for you to uh, think about that a little more and confront it a little more in your both your personal and your, your business life. Do we have any other questions, uh, Brian? Yeah, we do. Uh, but first, Charlie, I want to know, what did you tell that, that uh, guy, how to help his wife? Well, I talked, I, I asked him how much he listens to her. And does he actively listen, or or is he putting, or, or is he listening to her through the filter of someone that's impatient with the way she's acting? Mm. And the more we talked, the more he 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 said to me at the end, he said, "I don't, I, I don't think I've been listening to her because I'm so eager, I'm, I'm so anxious for this to just stop. I, I'm." It's almost as if the I, I'm doing everything I can to get her to quit talking about it. So I'm doing the opposite of listening. So I don't know if that will be helpful or not, but it's always a good starting place in any kind of situation we have with others to listen without fear and to listen without the filters 
of how we're going to be impacted. Maybe maybe a good term for it is guileless listening. Mm. Mm. I like that. I like that. I uh, I can add. I have a friend that I that I like to dirt bike with, and uh, we'll be on the top of the mountain. And this seems kind of ironic, but he and he's very introspective and looking at you know him and himself and what he did. He said, Brian, uh, I have a timer on my watch, and so I'm going to set it to five minutes. And uh, you're going to just talk to me about whatever you want to, and I'm not going to say a word for five minutes. And then we'll, and then we'll, we'll uh, do the opposite. And, then, and so it was really interesting, number one, for me to figure out what to talk about, but then also to be on the other end and listen without responding for five minutes for me was very hard. But, boy, when I did that with my wife, it was amazing. It was it truly amazing. amazing. I'm it? trying to do that more and more. It is, <laughs> it is such a cool experience. <laughs> And 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 but again, it's something you gotta you gotta practice all the time, or at least I do. Maybe other people don't, but you know, I I can I almost not almost I really I start the day every day uh, with a prayer, asking for my asking that that I can understand others and that I don't interject myself into their thoughts. Mm-hmm. It's hard. It's hard to do. Well, and it's and I'm glad you kind of brought that up. Is it, it, Kivo has a question, and it's it's perfect because he asked, uh, "How have you been practicing? You know what you're saying. You, you mentioned the list and writing that down once a year, but how else do you do that?" Well, I, it it really starts from there. Um, so I I create the list. I think about how much free time I have, and I think about the amount of money it takes for me to execute the a life that maximizes my likes and minimizes my dislikes. And I think of it more as, as having a rudder on a boat as opposed to the boat just drifting down the stream. You know, so many of us, we get into a job or career and we show up every day and we're almost, we're almost like that leaf on the river, right, that's floating along. I think by taking an act like that consciously, you put a rudder on yourself and you're driving yourself. And then I'd say the second part of it, for so long I... I uh, I gave lip service to being Christian, uh, and and then I began to really study it, study it with uh, the attention I think it it deserves, and and both of those things made a great difference in my life in terms of literally at the end of most days I can I can say this has been a great day. I'm, I'm very grateful for the experiences I've had and for the interactions with people I've had. Yeah, that's no, that's inspiring and something that I think many here should aspire to. Um, just if I could comment on a couple of the items that you were talking about, one of them is uh, you know taking the time to listen, and also the gentleman who was talking to you at the conference and who said you know I just wanted to stop, I want to find the solution, right? And right. that's uh, that will cause it to stop. And think about it, a uh, um, a room full of CTOs, CIOs, uh, people, you know, also in the call center area, leaders, you're taught to be a problem solver ahead of being a good listener. And I think it's also part of the personality type. You see a situation, you think you understand it, and then you just want it solved so that you can move on. And I know this is true with myself too. That it's uh, that's what I look to do. And uh, no, what you're saying, Charlie, is sometimes you have to stop. You have to listen. 
Uh, you have to spend those five minutes on top of the mountain just listening and not try to solve. Don't try to solve. Just feel what the other person is feeling and uh, listen to what they're thinking. And uh, that's, that's yeah, uh, difficult to do. And the other thing that, you know, uh, sort of my heart goes out to is those people who are listening and those people in the world who are to a certain extent trapped because of uh, family circumstances. And it's useless to say that uh, they may not be there trapped forever. Uh, hopefully they'll be able to work their way and they should actively work their way to a place of greater happiness where they're able to do uh, the things that they want to do. But we don't want to tell anyone to leave your responsibilities. Um, that's not a good thing to do. But uh, to hopefully find somebody you can spend that five minutes with who will listen to you. That much you should be able to, to find and uh, hopefully retool yourself as a result and find some more gratitude in, in the life that you do have. Um, anyway, do we have another question here, uh, Brian? We're getting toward the end of our hour. Yeah, we do. Our half hour. Yeah, and this yeah, and this one's a little bit more direct, uh, and you guys have touched on it, but I just want to give Mike um, the chance to be heard here. So Mike uh, wrote in, what are the personal characteristics of the happy leader? Well, they um, it, it's going to sound a little bit redundant, but they're patient and understanding with themselves and others. I, I want to get to one of the comments, Bruce, you were making about we're problem solvers. One of the things I find with people who are not good listeners and are so eager to solve problems is that very often they don't hear the problem or they may solve the wrong problem. And so I, I think patience and listening goes a long way towards ensuring that you're solving the right problem and that you're prepared. How many times have any of us, when we're in a hurry and we're stressed and we're not being patient with ourselves, run out of the house only to discover we forgot to get the directions to where we're going? (laughs) Right? And to me, me, that's an analogy. Yeah, and to me, that's an analogy to the hurried thinking that we often practice and 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 I can uh, you know I can speak from my personal experience um, the casino business is a tough business we all know that I mean it's it's and it is not a business given to uh, to a lot of reflection it, it tends to be a, a bottom line business especially in a, in the tough business environment we've had recently but I can't I've had at least four or five, maybe six situations where I had what appeared to be some strong conflicts with with another very senior executive. We wound up putting ourselves in a situation where we had time to listen to each other. And in every single one of those cases, we walked away from there, not just able to work together, but with a great, a much better understanding of one another. And we, and, and, in I think all the cases, it, it was the start of a tremendous friendship, almost like the end of Casablanca. <laughs> Which is my favorite movie, by the way. How did you know? I didn't know, but it's a great movie. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. Interesting. This is um, this has been a great, great uh, show. I mean, I really appreciate your coming on. Um, you know, you're thinking about leadership and having the capacity to uh, feel and understand and listen and all that sort of thing. And I guess uh, if you look at one of the great leaders of the world, uh, Pope Francis, that's what he talks about, right? Which is to help one another listen, all that sort of thing. And if uh, heck, if he can do it, we ought to be able to do it too, right? Yeah. With uh, our yeah. level of responsibility. Um, so this has been really, really. Uh, eye-opening and uh, very unusual for the kind of uh, segment that we usually do, but I'm very happy that we've done it. And I thank you very much, Charlie, for being available to, to be here for it. Uh, any any final thoughts before we close out? No, I just want to uh, express my appreciation for having me on the show and uh, looking forward to continuing to work with you in the future. Okay, great. Then over to Brian, and uh, thanks to everybody for listening, and hope that you uh, enjoyed it and got as much out of it as we did. Well, thanks again, Charlie and Bruce. What a wonderful show, and very unique and uh, a little different than the typical content we have here on Call Talk. So from all of you listening in, make sure you join us next month for another great show. And, of course, jump to our website at BenchmarkPortal.com. It's new, so it's going to have a different, exciting look, but it's still the same, BenchmarkPortal.com. And then under Resources, click on Call Talk, where you'll find over five seasons of our show. So enjoy that, and, of course, be happy out there, my friends. From all of us here at Benchmark Portal, keep those headsets steady and your fingers ready. This is Brian Carrington signing out. Have a great day. Agents think that you are mad, but things really can't be that bad, so don't worry. Try to be happy, and it will shine down on them.